<laughs> ah, we'll get to it. Then why didn't you fucking say it? No, because I couldn't think of what it was. It's like I had an idea, and then it was fleeting. It's like a dream. You know, sometimes you have a dream, and then you wake up, you can't remember what it was. It's pretty like you know, you know, it was crazy because that was a really crazy dream. I just can't remember what it was. Ah, uh, that's probably what it was. So there's this thing floating around that every time you walk into a room and you can't remember like why you walked in there, there's like a one percent chance that there was an alien in there and you startled him and he wiped your memory to make sure that you would never know there were aliens. Oh yeah, that's makes a lot of sense. And, you know, because aliens just hang out in my kitchen. And then I mean, you never know. Room. You it, bro. You never <laughs> know. Basically, there's an alien living in the attic because I forget shit all the time. So. Yeah. <laughs> there's, hey, an alien, on, there's an alien hiding at the bottom of my bowl because I forget shit all the time. So we are live right now. We're going to kick it to the video here. We got a lot of stuff to go through today. Hopefully, we get to it all. If you are tuning in, let's just kick to the video because you guys like that, whether, you know. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. What's going on, everybody? It's Wayne G here with Infinity Sports, joined as always by Sully. Yo, what's going down? What's going down? Obviously, we got a big show tonight. Uh, we did the Charlie Ward interview on Saturday, so hopefully you guys enjoyed that. That was really fun to have somebody who I know we both grew up kind of idolizing on the show. So next up, I think uh, Bo Jackson next. What do you think? Jeez, that'd be pretty massive. I'd love to see that. Get, get <laughs> Bo Jackson, a little Griffey in there, then wind it with Trout. You know, have a solid week. All right. That sounds like a plan for me. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if you are tuning in, you're watching on uh, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Twitter. We are live right now. If you miss any part of the video, you want to check out the audio, we are available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music. Also, YouTube, you can go on there the next day. You can see the video. I highly encourage you to do that because we have so many great video clips that we show during the uh, the show that you guys are missing out if you don't see it. And then, obviously, if you want to hit us up, you can hit us up on Facebook at Sport, Infinity Sports Podcast, at Infinity Sports Podcast on Instagram, and at Sports Infinity 5 on Twitter. Visit the website, www.infinitysportspodcast.com. Takes you to all the different sites, including all the places that you can find the podcast. And we got a great store there. We just freshened up some of the stuff. Obviously, we have our new logo. You see LeBron James rocking the tank top with a new <laughs> logo. That's available in the store. Also, the Tom Brady, when he signed his contract with the Bucks, it has failure is a choice uh, with the weights and the and the Infinity logo. So hopefully you guys like that. I mean, dress like Tom, dress like LeBron. You can't go wrong as we have a look at it. You ain't lying, man. He's got the. I'm pretty sure he's got the Jordan Breads on too. If I'm not mistaken, I can't tell there. I don't know, but I think it's kind of cool. You know, LeBron and Tom Brady. Thanks so much for rocking the gear. It definitely <laughs> helps us out. <laughs> Support the show. 
And uh, other than that, we've got a big show today. We've got our NFL recap, which always takes up a chunk of time. Sully's got top five prospects that he's going to go over with you. Uh, some exciting ones here that you guys haven't heard yet. You've heard 15 minutes so far, so this is the Ten. next. Ten so far. Okay, so this is the next five. Uh, no particular order, but we just like throwing out these guys, and you can kind of see some highlights of them while we talk about them. We also have uh, greater than, maybe if we have some time, we'll get to it. i got a couple of them I'm thinking of. So we'll get to that. But first things first, obviously, it is time for the news. As always, the news is brought to you by Invader Coffee. It's 100% organic, 100% air roasted. You have a 100% money back guarantee. If you buy it, you don't like it, you send it back, you get your money back. It is a veteran-owned business. They know what they're doing. You're not going to be uh, dissatisfied. Enter the code BELLYUP, all capitals, 15% off your entire order, no matter how much you spend. Even if all you get is a T-shirt, really cool T-shirts and clothing on the website because it's all military stuff. So they've got Grim Reaper and machine guns and flags. And it's really pretty cool. Yeah, go up on there. Like I said, I got my order. The coffee's great. It's fantastic. Make sure you get it. The first bit of news that we are tackling is two large extensions in the National Basketball Association. Large. Jason Tatum, uh, Donovan Mitchell, both sign the Supermax deal that they can out of their rookie deals. $165 million, but both of them have the opportunity to go up to $200 million with certain things like making All-NBA first team and whatnot. Uh, Jason Tatum was All-NBA third team this season. So uh, definitely huge contracts for them. I saw the video of Donovan Mitchell celebrating by jumping into his pool. Like, you're already a millionaire. He's like, eh, yeah. another 165. <laughs> I mean, 165 is a lot. That's what it is. Uh, that's security for you, your family, their families. I mean, if you play it right, you know, that's security for a lot of generations to come. Um, so that feels really good and good for these young men. Uh, they both played out of their minds. Uh, they're both fantastic players. So, yeah, you know who didn't get one of those extensions? Lonzo Ball. Yeah, but, I mean, you kind of figured that wasn't going to happen. I mean, he's been hurt a lot when he does no, play. No, I know, but, I mean, like with the draft and Tatum going after Lonzo and things like that. So, it, It's just a bad break. I still, if I had to do it all over again, I still probably would take Lonzo at two. Uh, only because of what he brings to the table. Again, hoping that he stays healthy because he's a walking triple-double. You know, he's a really good point guard. Horrible shot, but that's something you can improve. But it's just – he just had some bad breaks. I like what he's doing in New Orleans. I like, I like the lineup he's got down there. Yeah, I do too. We'll see. And he's, you know, he shot 36% from three this year, so that's not bad in, in any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, who we'll see. But he, he still – I still don't think you take him over Tatum ever once, never. Well, he was uh, just unmasked on the mass Singer, so he was uh, the rapper guy, whatever it is, whatchamacallit. <laughs> um, so, let me ask you this. How about between Tatum and Mitchell, who you taking? I think Tatum. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, I like Mitchell. I think Mitchell doesn't get enough, uh, not press, what is it, but just not enough screen time people don't see him play but he plays really hard he's a very fiery competitor uh obviously averaged 36 points per game for denver so uh he's a guy really no i love him as well um you mean utah but yeah i love him as well um and and he's fantastic it's just i don't know i think i just like tatum's overall game more i don't know i think i think spider's a better scorer yeah he is uh, the Lakers making some news, continuing their free agent suite, picking up these guys that fit well with LeBron. I mean, you lose Dwight Howard, but, you know, he, he was a role player that did his job. 
How about a role player like Marcus All, who might be the best passing big man of all time if you really look at the way he passes the ball? And he gets you rebounds. He's going to score. He only played like 23, 24 minutes a game last year. But I mean, I think that's a huge signing replacing uh, Dwight Howard with Marcus All. Yeah, I mean, you only need to get 20 minutes out of him. You know, they get Marcus All, Montrez Harrell, uh, uh, who else? Wesley Matthews, they just signed. Who Dennis I mean, Schroeder, they traded for him. Well, yeah, Dennis Schroeder, they traded for. But, you know, let's not forget Wesley Matthews three, four years ago was getting max contracts. So the guy can, he can still shoot the ball. He spreads the floor really well. Uh, they essentially, they lost, like we talked about, losing Deshaun Rondo, replacing him with a better player of himself and Dennis Schroeder. They lose Dwight Howard and they get a better player to replace him in Marcus Soule. You know, they're lo- and and slash Montrez Harrell, who is the sixth man of the year. So, I, I mean, the Lakers are scary good. Well, Montrez Harrell, I mean, averaged 19 points per game in 23 minutes a game. Like, he was just killing you. That, that's 38 points per 48 minutes. I mean, that's nuts. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's – him – I think they'll find a way to get him on the floor with AD and, I mean, just play him at power forward there and – and or you know both can interchange positions there. Man, Montrezl Harrell will be scary. That lineup will be scary. Obviously, they got to get AD back though. You know he did opt out, but all point all signs point that he's coming back. Yeah, they said he wants to wait and see what the roster is, but I think that's all BS. He's coming back to try to repeat. Yeah, of course you have to. I mean, it doesn't. It, it wouldn't make sense not to. The Golden State Warriors get Kelly Oubre in a trade. Uh, this is a guy again, averaged eighteen and a half, nineteen points per game last year. Great addition for them, particularly with Clay Thompson going down for the whole year. You know, you've got Andrew Wiggins, which is great. You've got Ubre now, I think, is a great step-in player. He's not Clay Thompson, but he's a nice guy that can step in and score 18 points a game. I did see an interesting meme. I wanted to get your take on this because I know that both of us are kind of eh on LeBron. But I think it's a great point. They said if you took Curry and LeBron, you swapped them, put LeBron in the Warriors right now with that roster and took Curry off, LeBron's going to make them a championship team or championship contender. They said, so now it's kind of up to Curry. Like, you should be able to do the same thing if you want to be mentioned in the same breath as LeBron. Well, yeah, I don't think Steph Curry was ever mentioned in the same breath as LeBron. Um, Back-to-back MVP, unanimous MVP. I mean, still, I don't know if anybody held him as, like, the team carrier or anything like that, that, like, LeBron is the walking fucking maniac LeBron is and Jordan are and Kobe were. I think – I still think – I mean, at least in my case, I held Steph in a different light. I mean, he's arguably the greatest shooter of all time and a great player. You know, outside of Magic, he may be the next best point guard. Um, But I still don't think I'd put him up there. Obviously not. I mean, you put LeBron on Golden State, and, I mean, they are – the West uh, favorites and they probably win the West and win the championship. So, I mean, let's be real. Kelly Oubre is a great signing or a great trade. I mentioned it briefly when I went off uh, camera the other week, but, uh, or the other day, but yeah, Kelly Oubre is great. Uh, It should be a great, like you said, step in player. He's not Clay Thompson, but he can step in and give you better than the average guy off the bench. The getting away from the NBA, I went to the NCAA football because I actually was watching some NCAA football this weekend, which I almost never do, mainly because we had the recorded interview. So while Charlie was talking, I got to go watch some TV. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, some of the things that stood out to me, and I want to run by you. First off, let's talk about Florida because that's your team, right? And Trask coming out 26 to 35, 383, three touchdowns, zero picks. I mean, you're talking about this guy climbing the draft board. And we talked about it last week, too. He said, you know, how high could he potentially go? He's kind of worked his way in the bottom of the first round. Could he work his way into the top ten? I don't see it. But, I mean, like, if he comes out and beats Alabama and looks like a stud, 
and then they make it to the championship, you know, and then he beats God, who would be one then? I guess Ohio State. And he beats Ohio State and like puts it on his back and does it. And then beats Clemson and puts it on his back and does it. And then joins. I mean, that'd be riding the sickest three-game win streak like ever. So then, yeah, I guess in that miracle case, he could do it. But I just don't see – I just don't think he has the tools to make it that high. I, I would take him anywhere between like 18 and and beyond or behind that. Um, which isn't a knock on him. I mean, it's really not. I think he's a, a great player. I think he has the chance to be a really good, successful quarterback in the NFL. It's just, you know, there are a lot of talented guys in this draft, and especially a quarterback. Well, I saw Mel Gibson had him ahead of Zach Wilson. So what do you think about that? Mel Gibson? Yeah, Mel Gibson and Mel Kuyper. <laughs> um, Mel Gibson did too. <laughs> uh, I guess you could. I think Zach Wilson is a better player. Um, I understand the knock. Zach Wilson's not really playing anybody. But, I mean, he's still doing what he's supposed to be doing when beating them. He doesn't have bad games. He doesn't make bad decisions. So it's tough to knock him. And plus, he's got a better arm at this point, more mobile. And that's just the way the league is trending. Again, I love Kyle Trask. I'm not knocking him. I just don't – I just – right now, I don't have him in my top 15. So I watched the Ohio State game. And obviously, Justin Fields did not have a great game. You know, I think three touchdowns, three interceptions or something like that. The guy that – yeah, the guy that really impressed me was that Penix from Indiana had 400 and some odd yards passing. He looked – every pass he threw was right on the money, just such a good touch. But then I looked at his stats for the season, and this is definitely his best game because the rest of the season he's only been eh. Yeah, he showed out um, and essentially kept Indiana in it. I mean, he's he's played well and – you know, in spots, but this was definitely his, you know, come out big game. Uh, Justin Fields didn't look the part. Uh, Indiana had a good scheme against him, you know, and I didn't love Ohio State as a whole, uh, but they got the job done. Um, you know, they beat a top 10 team, you know, so, I mean, it's tough to argue with them there. Justin Fields, again, his stock is pretty set in stone. I don't expect him to go outside of the top three um, in, in any way, shape or form. So, yeah. Uh, the last note I had Alabama sixty three to three against Kentucky. Obviously, not really much of a surprise there, but that's definitely a beatdown. I don't see Alabama losing to anybody. Uh, so the question is, I guess, does how would you feel? Because I know you've already mentioned this a little bit in the show. But I wanted to get your take again. If Ohio State gets the two seed in the playoff, and Clemson gets a three or a four or even lower, maybe it doesn't misses the playoff because they lost one game, and Ohio State only played seven. You know, is it kind of? Yeah, I don't agree with it at all. Obviously, it's, you know, especially if they don't, you know, f- play some of these canceled games and things like that. Um, but you know, we'll see. You have to have a minimum of seven, so we'll see. I don't know. It'll be touchy. Um, you know, Alabama looks really good. <clears throat> They're the first unanimous number one team since 2018. So, <clears throat> you know, that's that's important. This team's impressive. Mac Jones. They went on offense now. Mac Jones can sling that tater. He's another guy who may creep into the the back end of the first round. Um, And then their wide receivers are special. I mean, special, special, special good. Jalen Waddle, I'll talk about Devontae Smith later on in the show. Um, They're just really, really good. And uh, they get open, and they're really hard to stop. So it's going to be fun. Them versus Florida is going to be a really fun game. Well, the guy that we haven't brought up in top prospects and who I think doesn't get a whole lot of talk because of how good Travis Etienne is. I mean, he's on a whole other level. But Harris, the running back for Alabama, is a really solid running back, too. No, no. <clears throat> Najee Harris is fantastic. He'll end up being ranked in this top 32. Excuse me. 
Um, he'll end up being ranked in this top 32, which is surprising for me to have two running backs in my top 32. But uh, he's a, he's another player who's a complete back. And I agree, if it wasn't for Travis Etienne, Najee Harris is, you know, the number one back on 90% of boards. Uh, he's a very good player. He'll get the job done. Okay. Well, that will take us into Sully's top prospects. So, of course, we go over five every week. The five we have in order here, just make sure we have the same order. Uh, we're talking Moore, Cosme, Smith, Pay, and Russo, right? Uh, yes. Okay. So let's kick things off, I guess, with Rondell Moore. This is a guy who I didn't really know a whole lot about, and I'm curious to get your take because he is a little bit of a smaller wide receiver. He is. Um, he's a smaller guy, but, I mean, he's just so explosive and so powerful. Uh, he came in as a really kind of, like, highly touted freshman to Purdue. <clears throat> he's got a video of him squatting, like, like – five or like 495 or something like that um and he's just really powerful really explosive really quick like like i mean he takes hits and runs through guys as a, as a smaller receiver um and <clears throat> excuse me god i cannot get this kick out uh obviously the knock is he's 59 he's 180 he's going to play a lot out of the slot um, but he is so scary quick in, in space and elusive in space. Um, and, and I mean, as a wide receiver, he grades out really well. Um, I like him quite a bit, honestly. I, I, I wanted to put him higher and I initially had him higher, <clears throat> but you know, he wasn't going to play this season. He's now playing this season, which is good. First game, boom, already scored. Um, he's going to be a guy that they're going to, people are going to use him in a ton of ways. They're going to motion him. They're going to put him in the backfield. They're going to do a ton of things with him. Um, Man, he's just electricity, bro. Electricity. So almost kind of like a, a smaller version, more compact version of LaVisca Chenault? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Except, I mean, a thousand times more quick, a thousand times more explosive. I mean, I, you know, I've already used this comp for Jalen Waddle just because of his speed. But, I mean, think Tyreek Hill. Think think somebody like that. Like, I mean, like, dangerous, scary speed. Like, game-changing speed, game-changing quickness. He's good. All right. And this is our first offensive lineman that we've had a chance to talk about, which is uh, Samuel Cosme from Texas, right? He's the offensive tackle from Texas. Um, I mean, we we briefly spoke about Penny Sewell. We didn't have yeah, a clip sure. then, unfortunately, but let's not leave Penny Sewell out of this. He's a god. Um, he's the reason the offensive line position is, is in existence at this point. But, yeah, Samuel Cosme is an offensive tackle out of Texas. <clears throat> um, nobody passes the ball like Texas. So he right now at this season already, he's already around 270 uh, uh, pass blocking snaps. And I believe he's only about eight pressures, um, one sack. Uh, the guy is just a lockdown pass protector. He moves extremely well. Uh, his agility is scary good. He's going to, he may, like, there's talks he'll break the three cone agility record for offensive linemen. <clears throat> um, and to be fair, you know, he's not the best pass blocker, he's not going to push guys off. Um, uh, off the line of scrimmage and move him like a bully. But, I mean, I think he's smart enough and good enough to be able to use his hips and be a good, effective run blocker in the league. But, I mean, this is a passing league, and his pass blocking traits are elite, elite. I mean, he's he's extremely good. His hands are special. His agility is special. His feet are special. He, he's a really good player. And it'll be talked about with Penny Sewell that his comps were guys that you think of, like Orlando Pace, like uh, Jonathan Ogden, right? Who would you say Cosme's comps would be? I mean, right there, that next level. Uh, I mean, he's not, 
you know, Bryant McKinney or, or nothing like that. But I mean, I mean, as a pass blocking player, I mean, he's stupid special. Uh, God, like who's, who's been really good out of these last couple of years, Ronnie Stanley. I mean, I it graded extremely well coming out of Notre Dame um, and has proven it in the league. He wasn't a very good run blocker, but he could pass block with the best of them. Um, so maybe Ronnie Stanley's a really good comp for Samuel Cosme. All right. And then obviously another wide receiver, uh, Devonte Smith from Alabama. He's the taller of the two. So we talked about I think Weddle or Waddle last year, not last year. <laughs> last time we did this, and, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Smith's a little bit bigger. A little bit, not much. Smith is, I mean, a rail though. That's it. That's his knock right now. Is he maybe weighs 180 pounds, soaking wet with his football pads on, you know? But he stands six one. Um, but I mean. As like a pure wide receiver, he's really, I think, special. He stacks players really well. Um, he's super savvy. Um, it, it you you wouldn't know it, but the knock on him's kind of his speed. There's there's a worry he's gonna run like in the four fives. Um, but you watch him on tape, and he's not a four five player, and and that's what matters to me personally. So if you can get on top of a guy within the first ten yards, it doesn't matter if you run a four five because if you're smart enough to where you, as soon as you're side by side, you move, you get on top of him, and then he has to commit pass interference on you to get to the ball at that point. It's plain and simple. Devonte Smith is such a savvy pass route or such a savvy pass catcher. Um, his he's so fluid, he's so smooth. Uh, I love him. I, I think he's extremely good. Um, he's not – it's funny. He's he's in the middle of the two guys. He's not um, Jerry Judy who just came out. He's not quite that elite, you know, route-running player. He's, he's close there, but he's not quite. Um, and then he's also not um, Jalen Waddell, the, the speed guy. So he's, like, right in the middle of there, but, God, he's good. That's what I was going to ask. I said if, if Waddle is more like the Ruggs type, then is Smith more like the Jerry Judy type, the more technical receiver? He is, but just not. I mean, like I said, Jerry Judy's probably the best college route runner I've ever seen, and he's stepped into the NFL and and been, you know, a you know top five route runner in the league right now. So, um, you know, it's it's tough to kind of compare him to that. But Devontae Smith is extremely fluid. I, I mean, he's special. He just has he's he's a very savvy wide receiver. And for all the woes that Michigan is going through this year, I guess one bright spot has got to be a uh, defensive end. Uh, how do you say that? Is it Quiddy Pay? Yeah, Quiddy Pay. Uh, athlete. Freak of nature. Uh, I, two, 270 is wrong. I don't know. I guess he may be 270. God, if he's 270, that's a, that's disgusting. He's he's reported. He's reported that he's going to run sub 4-4s. Four um it's reported that he's going to break the three cone record. Um, this guy is a, a freak. He's, I don't know if you know this, that Bruce Feldman uh, puts out a freak list every year and it's guys who are just absolute freak athletes, guys who um, are, are just insane athletes, regardless of how good they are. They're just insane athletes. Quiddy pay is one of them. Um, and so he's going to get picked simply because of that. Um, he's not, he doesn't have a lot in his toolbox. Um, he's, he's not going to go out there and wow you with his hands or his pass rushing technical ability. But I mean, you talk about natural ability to get uh, uh, through the edge and bend around a player. And I mean, it's quitty paid in a nutshell. I mean, he's just scary, good athletically. And those guys get drafted really high. Uh, play well, it simple. When I think of a freak 
in size and speed and athleticism, defensive end, uh, Jadeveon Clowney comes to mind. I mean, I guess how would you compare those two? Um, Jadeveon Clowney was much stronger, um, had a had a much better repertoire of pass rushing abilities, and and also you know was a much better run defender. Quiddy Pay is not going to defend the run even at six four two seventy. He's just not. Um, I'd liken him more to. And unfortunately, he busted. But like uh, a guy like Vernon Golston, um, a guy like who's just—I mean—crazy good athletic traits, but not <clears throat> a technically sound football player. Um, so he's going to have to learn how to be a football player. And this year, he's learned that, which is why he's—he's he's kind of rocketed up my board. I didn't have him this high. I had uh, Gregory Rousseau over him. Um, I had uh, Quentin Roche, the other Miami defensive end over him too to be honest with you um uh, and Caleb Basham if I'm being honest I, I don't think I had Quiddy Pay in my top four but Quiddy Pay is rose to one because this year he's showing he has pass rushing moves he's showing complimenting moves he's showing the ability to do one thing to set up another which is very important so you can tell he's learning and if you can put this kid if he can learn with his athletic ability I mean he's going to be scary scary good and the last guy we have obviously you mentioned him Rousseau when I think of this guy obviously I was looking up highlights of them and i think length i mean this guy is extremely long it reminds me of kind of like a chandler jones yeah for sure uh extremely long extremely <laughs> athletic um kind of a, a perfect nfl body build too like he's he's what you want out of an edge defender uh man it's a shame he didn't play i mean he's six seven you know 255 it's a shame he didn't play this year um i i would have really really loved to see him play because he could have used it like I mentioned a guy like Caleb Farley last uh, last week who um, uh, really could have used playing this year because it would have been nice to see like if he could have made the next step like Quiddy Pay has done uh, because we really only have – we have less than 600 snaps to look at for Gregory Rousseau. Uh, but, I mean, those snaps are good snaps. Huh? And it's tough to argue, like I said, length and athleticism is going to get drafted in this league, plain and simple. You just don't make guys that are 6'7", 250 that move like that. You know, God only made a certain few. They get drafted. <laughs> yeah, I, guess I remember uh, Chandler Jones at Syracuse at six five, six six, and just really long. He get to the quarterback, and even this, you know, Chandler Jones. As much as I thought he was a disappointment in New England, he goes to Arizona, and all he does is get like seventeen, eighteen sacks a season. Yeah, I mean, it was a different system. You know, it, Bill Belichick had him kind of as a three four hybrid four three defensive end. Kind of he'd stand him up sometimes too. In in Arizona, he was just rushing the passer, and you could see you know it it greatly benefited his play style. You know, just like a quarterback, you know, is kind of dependent on how great he's going to be by his system. I think a pass rusher is as well. You know, and sometimes these versatile guys get stuck in a spot where they don't work. So, so those are the five prospects for this week. We'll have five more prospects next week for you. It does bring us into a little bit of time we have for greater than uh, one of my favorite, uh, you know, segments here. And I actually have a couple of them. I went through them with my wife the other day and she got really upset with me uh, on some of them. So nice. that means they're going to be good. This one's kind of a, uh, a movie actor kind of one. So if you don't know both actors, then it's totally okay. But I think you will. I knew that she would. Uh, Two short, stocky guys, Paul Giamatti, Danny DeVito. Paul Giamatti is Sopranos, right? No, that's you're thinking of. Um, um, oh, not excuse me. Anyways, Paul Giamatti is Billions. 
I don't watch Billions. Oh, uh, okay, 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 okay. I know Paul Giamatti. He's yeah. from uh, what's that movie where they turn him blue? That's where I know him. Big oh, Fat Liar. Yeah, like, That's where I know him from. Um, I mean, I Danny DeVito, easy, hands down. It's not even a question. Danny DeVito, what? Well, first of all, it is a question, and it's not hands down. I th- I also have Danny DeVito, but it's because you don't really know down. because you don't really know who Paul Giamatti is, I'm going to take that. that doesn't matter. It's da- da- bro. Just because of Sonny, it's Danny DeVito. So for me, Danny DeVito because he's a more likable character. Giamatti's a more dramatic actor. Uh, even though I will say I loved his role as Pig Vomit in um, Private Parts with Howard Stern. Uh, obviously, he's great in The Negotiator. He was like the little rat that was kind of talented people. Uh, he was also in I have uh, obviously Billions is the big one. Um, Cinderella Man. He was his manager in Cinderella Man. So he's. But he's always kind of a dramatic actor, and I've never really liked truly drama actors. I kind of like more comedy, a little bit, or likability. And even Danny DeVito, the most recent thing I've seen him in was um, uh, the Jumanji Next Level, and he was great in that. I just he's very likable. I mean, like I said, it's you could take out everything Danny DeVito's ever done, just have Sonny, and he beats Paul Giamatti. Yeah. So. Uh, William James. It's always sunny. Is just fantastic. That's right, Will. Let's go. Will's going to the game tonight. We got to beat them Rams, baby. Let's go, Will. Let's get it. He's got the uh, the Bucks minus four and a half. Uh, so <sighs> I don't know about the four and a half. Um, I think Aaron Donald may cause us some pressure, Will, and and that may be an issue. But I think our run game is going to be the difference. Honestly, go with the four and a half. Let's fucking go. I tease it down to three and a half, but let's go. All right. What do you got for a greater then? Um. All right. Greater than or less than uh, chocolate milk or strawberry milk? Ooh. You know, I'm a, I'm a late-to-the-game strawberry milk guy because growing up it was always chocolate milk. But I will say that I've made a complete almost strawberry flip in the sense that, you know, um, toasted almond bars, right? You got the regular toasted almond, chocolate, and strawberry. My favorite's the strawberry. And – I like, I think, strawberry milk better than chocolate milk. Even though chocolate milk is basically my pastime, the national pastime. (laughs) I think once you do strawberry milk three, four times, you're like, all right, I would rather have that than chocolate milk. Uh, Strawberry milk's my go-to. I've always been a strawberry milk kid. Strawberry quick is like, I mean, I swear to God, it's crack. Um, But, yeah, dude, I love strawberry milk. That's so funny. I'm usually, I'm always the weird guy who says strawberry milk. That's funny that we both like strawberry milk. (laughs) so this definitely have a baseball one for you. Throwing a hundred. What's more electrifying? I guess uh, greater than one hundred and three mile per hour fastball, five hundred and fifty foot home run. Five fifty. Hmm. I take the one hundred three. One hundred three happens. Five fifty doesn't. It happens now and then. When was the last time somebody hit five fifty? Probably Stanton hit three or four of them last year. No, not five fifties. You mean four fifties? <laughs> uh, let's say 500 let's drop it down to 500 <laughs> like, um even still i think 500 is impressive i mean that's a fucking bomb dude that's a bomb when i see a big home run i don't get as excited as when i see a 103 mile per hour fastball or more you know when i see raldis chapman pitch like i would rather watch a raldis chapman pitch than watch Giancarlo stanton take batting practice it's just it's oh, more no. of fun no. well this one, would you rather hit a home run or throw a touchdown Ooh, I'm going to say <laughs> I've done – so I've hit a home run in batting practice. I've never hit one in a game. 
Um, in football, I never even came close to throwing a touchdown. Not even, <laughs> not even in practice. <laughs> you even touched the ball. <laughs> uh, well, I played, you know, backup quarterback, and so there were a couple times oh, I had okay. to play uh, quarterback on the JV team. Um, but I, I was was terrified. So because I love the game of baseball more than I love football, I'd probably take the home run. I think I would too. I think the satisfaction of rounding the bases is just something that, I mean, I'd treasure forever, you know? Would you bat flip? Uh, hard. <laughs> hard. Yeah. Your teammates get plunked, but hey, too bad for them. I would ride the bat like a pony down first base and then <laughs> flip that bitch once I got to first. Um, all right, so this is my last one I'm going to go with here because this is the one that me and my wife uh, got into a disagreement with, which I will go over with you. Okay. Uh, this one, because this is more for guys, which is punched in the face or kicked in the nuts. Punched in the face. Easy. That's, that's why I said it's totally easy. Not even a question. It's not I've, had, I've had both happen. Yeah. And when you get punched in the face, because there's a stigma attached to it, until you get punched in the face, this seems a lot closer but once you get punched in the face, you realize it's nothing. It's nothing. Easy. It's nothing. I've been punched in the face, no lie, over 100 times. It's not a big deal. It's not that big of a deal. Getting punched in the face repeatedly sucks. One time, I'm telling you, you rarely feel it. Like, it's it's really not that big of a deal. Getting punched in the – or kicked in the nuts or punched in the nuts hurts for and depending on how you get hit, like I mean, it can hurt for a long time. I took a, uh, a line drive there, throwing batting practice in uh, high school with no cup. Ooh, it, yeah, it, it took weeks to get better. Uh, but okay. the uh, so, anyways, me and my wife argued about it because she said something which I totally disagree with, which is that women have a higher tolerance for pain than men, and. I don't think so. I mean, I understand they give childbirth, and I'm not saying childbirth is not painful. I'm sure it's excruciating. <laughs> but I've also seen women cry when they jam their finger, you know, and I've seen guys get hit in the face with a hammer and not really flinch. So it's – I mean, I think it's kind of each by person. I've cried when I got a splinter. Like, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, it kind of, it's my person by situation. I know there, there was, I mean, I'm going to sound like an asshole, but there was like some Harvard study about like the, the degree of pain um, a woman goes through and a degree of pain men goes through when getting hit in the nuts. And they actually likened the two pains and found they were very similar. Um, so, you know, I, we all try to compare each other's, you know, downs. Let's just, you know, they both suck. I don't want to give birth. Let's put it that way. I, I promise you, ladies, ladies, I promise you, you don't want to get kicked in the balls. So, like, let's just both agree they both suck, you know. Well, uh, Laura Shockley says, 100 times in the face, no way. <laughs> it's, it's around there, Laura. I know. That's my poor aunt. Um, she's like, oh, no, what was he doing? Um, it, you'd be surprised, you know, half of, you know, we used to box and stuff too. So I'm counting a lot of those. All right. Uh, the, you yeah. get hit in the face a ton when you box. Yeah. Uh, onto the football. We're at 35 minutes. So we should have plenty of time to just kind of wrap this up. We've got the Cardinals and the Seahawks, which was the Thursday night game, 28, 21, Russell Wilson versus Russell Wilson, 2.0 and Russell Wilson, 1.0 came out the victor here. And this one looking over the stats, uh, I mean, 197 yards. He basically was a game manager. Kyler Murray had over a hundred yards. I mean, well, 270. So, but they both had two touchdowns, no picks. Um, 
I'm guessing just the biggest defense or the defense was the biggest thing here, which is surprising with Seattle because their defense sucks. Yeah, I mean, it really came down to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, you know, kind of outshone at, at spots where they needed to shine, uh, I think. Um, you know, Russell Wilson got the job done and, and was able to go into, you know, uh, or stay at home and, and, you know, win the game at home like you're supposed to in his division. I mean, you got to beat a team like Arizona. You just kind of have to. And, you know, it is what it is. I think I expected Seattle to win this game. So, uh, you know, I think they'll. I think Arizona will take the other one because I believe they play again in Week 15. I believe it is. So, and I noticed that. So Isaiah Simmons in this game. I don't have the highlight for, it, but Isaiah Simmons had nine tackles and his first career NFL sack. Yes, he did. He made a good little stunt along the outside and and had a good sack. You know, good for him. He's playing well. He had. He took him some time to uh, transition you know, into the NFL uh, to where he's not the best athlete on the field, you know, to where there are a lot of other guys who are just as athletic as him. Um, but he's transitioned really well, and he's using his speed and, and length and, and, you know, ability and space a lot better, I think. The Steelers continue to win. They're 10-0 now. They beat Jacksonville 27-3, who drops to 1-9. I was thinking about this game, not so much for whether or not the Steelers can go undefeated, because I still think they're going to lose a game at some point. But looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars and thinking, right now they are solid in second place for the number two overall pick. Is what I'm saying. So they're going to get the number two overall pick unless they start to win a few games. And I'm wondering, do you take your time bringing Minshew back and let you know Kyle Luton lose a few more games? Yes. Okay, because they said Minshew's ready to go next week. He's ready to go. Uh, I mean, I don't think it'll matter. <laughs> <laughs> I think this team's bad enough that they're going to lose a lot of game the rest of their games either way. But yeah, I mean. You don't want to give the pick up to Washington, or you know Washington's won games now. Though I mean, who's even? Is there another team with even two losses now? Um, I don't know with two. There's a bunch of them with that three. I guess. Yeah, it's, I think they can afford to lose a game now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd be, I, I'd try to keep that number two pick because Justin Fields is a prize. I mean, he's a prize. You want to get him, right? And that's a team obviously that desperately needs a quarterback. Desperately. desperately. And the next game we have the Panthers who improved to four and seven. The Lions dropped to four and six. They went 20 nothing. They shut out the Lions. And exciting about this one is uh, P.J. Walker's uh, NFL debut gets the win. Yeah, I mean, it's a, he's a really good story. I mean, you know, he gets waived by the Colts and all these teams and, you know, comes back and, you know, is almost essentially the, the XFL MVP and then comes back and gets his win in his first start. Uh, I mean, it's just really cool. I mean, he beats out other guys to win that quarterback job. I mean, it's just a – I mean, that's a really cool win for him. Yeah, I'm a fan of his. Um, looking at this game, you know, DJ Moore has seven receptions, 127 yards. Chris Samuel has eight for 70. These are the weapons that we talked about that, you know, Teddy Bridgewater has that for some reason you just can't put the ball in the end zone. And I know when I talked with uh, our former co-host Jesse, he does not like uh, Chris Samuel and he does not like um, – uh, DJ Moore, he doesn't think that that good. Well, I mean, he's wrong. <laughs> it's Curtis Samuel, but uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're both really good. And then Robbie Anderson too. I mean, they got a really good wide receiving core. So, I mean, it's just a matter of putting it all together and and having these players succeed. Now, on the Lions side of things, Jeff Okuda has – I was looking at his stats on the year because we're looking at some of these rookies more than halfway through. How are they doing? He's only got two passes defended of the entire year, uh, one interception. Is it – I mean, he's a rookie. You'd think that quarterbacks would go after him, or is it, are they trying to avoid him? I don't know. 
No, it's they're catching all those balls on him. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. He's having a really bad season. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jeff Okuda is not transitioning well to the league. Uh, if, to be fair, he's put in a tough task. Like, he's got to defend Devontae Adams when they play. And, like, I mean, and these guys are just putting him through the spin cycle and just, you know, I mean, he's a rookie. He just can't hang with a lot of these guys. The graphic I have here is, is Matthew Stafford. So Matthew Stafford, this season he's averaging 240 yards per game, 17 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Looking at his contract next year, he's got $35 million due, $25 million cap hit. And then it's 2022 is when you can really move on from him. $28 million, but only a $10 million cap or $10 million dead money. And I was reading, I mean, could they move on from him after this season? I mean, Detroit is uh, – they're four and six. They're not really in that top-tier quarterback market, but – I mean, it just seems like they're not going anywhere with him. I mean, depending on how they view these quarterbacks, if they think Trey Lance and Zach Wilson are top 10 quarterbacks, then, I mean, then they are in the quarterback market. Um, I think I'd get rid of him at this point. And I love Matthew Stafford, but, I mean, he's not helping his team win at this point. He's not. Um, I don't think the coach is helping him at all either, but, I mean, he's not helping his team win, and they don't look good. They don't. Does he still have tread on the tires, or is he going to be a guy who only gets like a one-year deal each year now? I think it's just a one-year deal from now on. I don't think I'd, I'd play. I don't think I'd plan my franchise to play him three years or things like that. Because we were talking, and we'll get into it uh, with another game down the road. But obviously, the Cincinnati Bengals may be in the market for a quarterback next season and somebody to fill that kind of gap. But also, you don't want to do too good because you want to put a couple of good offensive linemen on there. So. Yeah, exactly. We talked about earlier. Penny Sewell should be on the top of Cincinnati's wish list right now. That's for sure. The Houston Texans surprised the Patriots. And I mean, really surprised the Patriots because uh, Johnson's out, the running back. David Johnson's out. Um, the left tackle's out, right? I thought, oh, the, the Patriots could have a field day with these guys. And they did not. They actually played horrible. And uh, Deshaun Watson had 344 yards passing. They couldn't do anything. And just like every time I watch the Patriots play against a guy who can scramble, it's they can't do anything about it because they play such good man-to-man defense. They've only got basically a spy on the quarterback, and there's nobody that's fast enough to keep up with these guys. Yeah, I mean, Deshaun Watson had a great game. Um, I mean, he just wanted that win. I mean, I hope you have the play where he trucks Devin McCourty um, because <laughs> – that was impressive, and he just straight powels him through into the end zone. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they just wanted it more, and, you know, they got the W, and good for them. I mean, uh, New England was rolling, and so I think most people thought New England would win this game. You don't even have it. I don't have it. Typical New England fan. Uh, and uh, how do you not have that play? <laughs> I only have so much time to put on there. Dude, that should have been the first play. It was so dope. He just, I mean, he fucking trucks Devin McCourty. So, I love watching Deshaun Watson throw the football. I hate watching Cam Newton throw the football. And I feel like Cam Newton, we talked about Tim Tebow had that big wind-up when he'd throw the ball. Cam Newton takes forever to get the ball out of his hand. He does, especially later on in his career. But, yeah, he takes a long time. Um Speaking of Deshaun Watson, did you get that thing I tagged you in today earlier? Um, I'm not sure. So uh, ESPN and PFF did a release of the top franchise quarterbacks uh, they would take for the next 10 years. And uh, and it, that includes players who are already in the league and everything like that. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is number two. 
and uh, Deshaun Watson's number three. Yeah, I think I did see that, and and I don't know how many. Who was number one again? Patrick Mahomes. Patrick, oh yeah, yeah, of course. I, I think I'd still take Kyler Murray over uh, Lawrence. Yeah, uh, I just like I like his game. No, I, I hear you, and I understand. I just thought it was. I mean, that's a that's a pretty impressive talent, right? That just that that puts the level of of talent. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has on perspective, I think. It should for people. The Tennessee Titans uh, win 30-24 against the Ravens. More woes for Lamar Jackson, who 186 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Uh, 51 yards rushing on 13 carries, and I mentioned it to Charlie Ward. I don't like the 13, 14, 15-yard or carries or, or attempts for the quarterback. Um, J.K. Dobbins has a pretty solid game, but obviously Derrick Henry was doing Derrick Henry things and just destroying people. So. Yeah, he's a beast. Uh, this Tennessee team is much better than I thought they were going to be. Um, and this Baltimore team is kind of ex- expected who I expected them to be. They don't have an identity on offense when, you know, you figure out that you can't pass on them. I mean, or that you can't – or that they can't pass on you. So you essentially just have to stop their run game, which teams have been doing, uh, which should be pretty easy this week. They just lost Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins to COVID. So now I think Gus Edwards, their only active back, and, uh, you know, they're going to be in trouble. They may lose back-to-back games here because they play the Steelers this week. They may go to 6-5, and five, and, I mean, they may not even not make the playoffs. So, yeah. And, and it troubles me, like I said, just seeing Lamar Jackson with the 180-yard, sub-200-yard games, when last year I felt like he was lighting up teams from the air, 33 touchdowns, six interceptions. And I don't know if it's just a change in scheme or if he's just bailing out and running too soon. Oh, no, too, but it looks like – figured it out i don't know though i mean I, I feel like he didn't carry the ball as much last year i mean i would have 1300 yards last year but i felt like he wasn't like scheming to carry the ball more than the running backs last year i mean i he, he was it was these play actions that he was just hitting people deep on and these play actions aren't working because nobody's afraid for one nobody's afraid of their run game because they're keying on it and they're stopping it and then nobody's afraid that uh he's going to beat them in the passing game. So the, the stuff they're, they're scheming just isn't working. The Browns are seven and three for the first time. in who knows how long I feel like every time you watch any part of a Browns game, the announcers tell you how long it's been since they were six and three, seven and three. <laughs> you know? Yes, we get it. They've been a horrible franchise. You know, nobody has forgotten that. Um, but I am excited for them. And the Eagles, I think, continue to sit atop the NFC East at three, six, and one uh, because everyone else is three and seven. And Carson Wentz, another game where he just doesn't look good. He's got, you know, two interceptions. But again, looking at the stats, he's sacked five times in this game. He's now been sacked 55 times this season. Yeah, but he also has 14 turnovers in 10 games. I, I mean, at a certain point, like, you've kind of got to elevate your team and not bring them down is the thing. Like, regardless of how bad your team is, if you're that good, you have to elevate them at some point and not be another detriment and bring them down. And I feel like he's bringing them down at this point. Like, I don't know how Jalen Hurts isn't getting into these ball games and at least give him a shot at this point. I mean, give the kid a shot. Well, because they're still in the game. So, I mean, you put them in there in a blowout, but you're not going to put the rookie in there unless, I guess, unless you're Miami. You're not going to put the rookie in there or pull, pull the quarterback when it's a close game, you know. So, we'll get into that. But, you know. I, I mean, like now, like why are you not starting Jalen Hurts this week? And I, I get because they're still in first and things like that, but, like, that's a fluky. That's so fluky. Like, 
Well, and I said to somebody, they're like, hey, we want to see what Jalen Hurts actually is. And I'll say that with this team, he's the guy who's going to get sacked five times a game. Yeah, but is he? He's way more mobile. Scheming. Way more outside. mobile? I mean, when's way he mobile? more mobile. Way more mobile. <laughs> Jalen Hurts ran a 4-5 at the, at the fucking combine. All right. Well, I'm not sure what Carson wants from him, but he's very mobile. He's essentially a running back. He was like his whole shtick is that all he does is run and not pass. I mean, at this point, I'd, at least you can scheme him to get outside and do things like that and use his legs and get out of the pocket since you can't keep a pocket and protect anybody. Well, the uh, and actually, I'll bring up too that uh, Jesse and I had this conversation on Twitter because you know Jesse is doing victory laps about Carson Wentz. Uh, not playing well. And I had said to him, uh, he's like, yo, do you not blame this guy for anything? And I said, just having played quarterback, I understand when you don't have protection, what happens is you rush plays that you normally wouldn't rush. And then when you do have time to throw, it's still ingrained in your brain that you're going to get hit in any second and you start rushing plays you don't have to. And I understand that's where the mistakes come from. And I know this, it's still on him. He's the quarterback. He's the one throwing the ball. It's still on him. But I still put a lot of the onus on how bad that team is. Well, yeah, I agree. But again, after a certain point, you got to elevate the players around you. I think the Saints improved to eight and two with a twenty-four nine win over the Falcons, which was something that was pretty much a foregone conclusion before it even happened. However, exciting news, right? We got the the quarterback battle. The top ten quarterback in the NFL gets to be a backup to Taysom Hill, <laughs> and uh, you know. <laughs> Basically, uh, I thought for sure Jameis Winston was going to be the starter here, but it is not. It is Taysom Hill. And by all accounts, he doesn't throw a touchdown. He runs for a couple, which is what he does. But, you know, he played okay. I don't think he played that bad. No, he played extremely well. Um, He wasn't like a game manager. He was making throws. Um, He looked effective. Like, he's pushing the ball down the field. Um, Obviously, it helps to have a guy like Michael Thomas, you know, who's able to find these pockets. And he looked for Michael Thomas a lot. I think he had nine or ten catches. So, you know, and he's he's using his legs well. When he wants to get out, he gets out. When he wants to stay in the pocket, he stays in the pocket. So, I mean, I think they did an excellent job, you know, kind of using him. And, uh, you know, let's see where they go going forward. You know, what did happen with Alvin Kamara, though, is that Kamara uh, didn't have any receptions. So, I know in this offense, he's usually five, six, four receptions a game. He had zero uh, receptions in this game. Yeah, that is odd. I didn't, I, I didn't catch, you know, like kind of the game flow, so I don't see why. But man, that's that's wild. Uh, I mean, he did have, uh, I think, a rushing touchdown, thirteen carries for forty three yards, something like that. But I wonder if it's just the way that Taysom Hill reads the plays. He's not doing that check down a lot. He's kind of looking down the field first, huh? Yeah. Uh, the Washington football team wins another one. Again, we're talking about them getting away from the number two pick now as they win 20 to nine against the Bengals. And what a horrible, horrible break for uh, Joe Burrow, who tears the ACL, MCL. You said there's additional damage on top of that, right? Yeah, there's additional structural damage. They're not sure about. The worst part is, is they can't even get in there for like another week to do surgery because the swelling and the, the shit in there is so bad that they can't even get in there. And then they have to fix the MCL first before you can fix the ACL. They got to do that surgery first and try to fix whatever other structural damage before they can touch the ACL. So, I mean, I think 2021 is even out of the picture. I don't think he plays at all next year. Well, and that's what I was thinking when you were telling me about the extra damage and whatnot, is I said he probably could be ready for, let's say, the last six games of the year. But at that point, why would you? Like, just yeah. let him sit out the whole year. I mean, I may play him, like, the last two, just kind of see what you got. You know, maybe even play him, like, a half one game and a half another game. Just see what you got. Get his legs ready. Get him a little confidence and moving, going into the start of next year. 
but yeah, I mean, don't risk anything with, I mean, we've seen what he can do. You know, he's obviously a fantastic player. And so, you know, you just hope and pray you get the same guy back, you know, congratulations for Alex Smith getting his first win. Um, you know, since his horrific injury and then, you know, FedEx field claims another victim. So. Yeah. They got to change it to the Avengers field. Sell yeah. it to Disney. It'll be fine. Exactly. Hopefully wipe that curse. <laughs> Um, the Chargers uh, get a win, 34-28 against the Jets. 28 points for the Jets. They really tried. They were they really tried trying. this week, man. They <laughs> tried. They just couldn't get it done. Um, again, the Chargers just look so much better in, in terms of who their quarterback is. And I know that you know you, you mentioned you weren't high on him going into the draft, but, I mean, the guy stands in there. He makes every single one of the throws. I mean, he's really not a whole lot bad you can say about uh, Dennis Herbert this game. Not Dennis Herbert, uh, Justin Herbert this game. Yeah, Justin Herbert played a great game. This yeah, Justin Herbert played a fantastic game. Um, I hope you have this clip. He rolls left, does it? Oh, no, this isn't it. It's coming up, too. Oh, you do actually have this one? Fantastic. Uh, he makes a crossbody touchdown throw in between two defenders that, I mean, there are not a lot of people in this league that can make this throw. Look at this. Coming crossbody, squares his shoulders, laser in between two oh. defenders. I mean, fucking laser beam in between two defenders. That's an impressive throw. That one goes on your fucking highlight reel for your life. That's man. That's a special throw. Um, and the kid looks like he understood. I, like I said, I thought his mental ability wouldn't be enough in this league. He's put that to bed. He's, he looks like he's going to be a successful player and I take it all back. Justin Herbert, I owe you one, man. Other than his dopey haircut, which makes him look 11 years old. He, uh, yeah, it's that boys regular, please. That's the one that's up on the wall. It's like, can I get the picture at number three, please? <laughs> the kind of really young looking, uh, was it Justin Bieber? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, another rookie quarterback uh, bites the dust, kind of, against the Denver Broncos, who beat the Dolphins 20 to 13. Dolphins dropped to six and four. They're still in contention to win that division. But just really puzzling for me is that, and I have highlights from the game, is that, you know, he throws a touchdown here in the first half. I mean, nothing pretty, but he's got a touchdown. He looks pretty good. He's completing passes. Then in the second half, you know, Tua comes in. He, you know, overthrows a couple of guys. And then the next thing you know, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is in there because – and, again, there's mixed reports on this because I read somewhere that, you know, he rolled his ankle at some point towards the end of the game and the coach was keeping him out just to kind of let him not hurt himself. And yet Flores came out after the game and said he wasn't hurt. And this was what we needed to do. We had a two-minute drill. We felt like Fitzpatrick would run the two-minute drill better than Tua. Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, I know he's already come out and said Tua is my starter for next game. He's my starter going forward, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, this just doesn't show confidence in your rookie quarterback that you're trying to give the keys to the franchise to. And and it shows indecisiveness from your head coach. And and I just think, I just think these are things that don't bode well for a locker room. Um. And it's a shame because I thought Brian Flores was crushing it. I honestly thought he might have been coach of the year. Um, you know, the Dolphins were playing extremely well. Uh, and then, you know, this is just a head scratcher. I know he was being sacked a lot and he was getting hit and things like that. But, I mean, your quarterback's going to go through hard games. Imagine if Tua comes back and leads that team on a touchdown drive and wins that game. How great is that for his career, his his life, his, his career trajectory, like, you know, I mean, for the locker room, if he comes, like, I mean, you just took that moment away from the young man. I don't know. I think it's a terrible decision. Uh, Deb Sullivan says Denver all the way. 
Yeah, we got a lot of fans. My mother, we got a lot of family in Denver, uh, and so they're all big Broncos fans. And so we're actually kind of, if I had to root for another team that wasn't Tampa, it'd be Denver. So, and I agree with you. I, I don't understand this, and I've had multiple debates on multiple different sites because I did share the meme uh, from our Infinity Sports page <laughs> about how the Dolphins are morons for this move. My contention was this. I said, listen, I disagreed with putting Tua as the starter in the first place because Fitzpatrick was winning. You were in contention to win the division. Just let him finish it out. So I had a problem. But once you make that move, once you say, hey, Tua's our guy, he's starting, it doesn't matter how bad he plays. You just let him ride it out. That's taking the lumps. Exactly. It's like once that train's moving, you don't derail it. You know, you don't knock it off the tracks. You let that thing go, baby. And and I agree completely. Um you know, regardless of if – I mean, if he's hurt, that's one thing. If he's hurt, I get it. Pull him out. Keep him safe. And, you know, sometimes they do have undisclosed injuries that they don't want to tell and, and they don't have to tell. I mean, technically they have to, but, you know, they, they've found these loopholes and things like that. And, you know, maybe, but I, I, I don't agree with it. I think it's, I think it's a bad – again, I think it's stealing this potential game-winning drive away from this kid. The Cowboys win to, you know, keep in the chase at 3-7 and seven in the NFC East. Uh, they beat the Vikings 31-28. to 28. Uh, Andy Dalton has a pretty good game. 200 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. My guy, Ezekiel Elliott, who I traded uh, Aaron Jones for, had a better game than Aaron Jones. So I'm, I'm loving that. Hopefully he can keep doing that the rest of the season. And, uh, you know, CeeDee Lamb, four for 34 and a touchdown. He's having a great year. And obviously Cook doing what Cook does, you know, 115 yards rushing, 45 receiving, and Justin Jefferson has another 86 yards and a touchdown. So a couple of really good rookie wide receivers in this matchup. And I wanted to get your take on uh, the rookie wide receivers, who I have a little bit of a chart here. 22 on rookie wide receivers, targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns. It looks like your top four here are going to be uh, Jefferson, uh, CeeDee Lamb, uh, Jerry Judy, and T. Higgins. Yeah, Um you know, Justin Jefferson's, I think, the clear, you know, kind of winner of this series right now. He's on potential to be rookie of the year. Um, CeeDee Lamb is playing uh, extremely well. I, I, if you could only imagine how great I think his season would have been if Dak would have stayed there and, and Dak would have stayed healthy, then I think CeeDee Lamb would have been up there. But T. Higgins is having a tremendous year. We'll see if that withstands now with no Joe Burrow. Um, because that's obviously going to be a huge downgrade at quarterback at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about how, or I did talked about how impressive this class was going into the year, um, and how impressive these guys were and, and how many like elite receivers there were in this draft class and they're showing it. I mean, they look incredibly good. Um, you know, CD lamb's touchdown catch. I'm surprised you don't have a highlight of it was stupid, special, good. The guy's completely facing this way turns and dives back this way midair to catch it uh, it was so gorgeous and then literally five minutes later adam thielen one hand touches a touchdown in the back corner of the end zone uh it was a great game i mean it really was a fun game to watch the uh, team that you had picked preseason here the colts seven and three they beat the packers which nobody saw that coming 34 31 uh because you talked about you know, the colts are going to win these 19 to 17 games or 21 this is a shootout and they actually end up come up on top I also said that when they play these teams, they're gonna have to pull, they're gonna have to have the perfect game, and this is the perfect example. I literally mentioned this last week. This is the perfect example of what I'm talking about. Everything's gonna have to go right for them to win these type of games. But when it does, this shows that they can win those type of games. They can win these games that they need to win. The defense is good enough. Philip Rivers is good enough that if the defense does allow 31 points, he can come down and score and score points if he needs to. 
I'm telling you, teams need to be afraid of the Colts, man. They're they're a good football team. And then the last game I have is the Sunday night game. That was the Chiefs uh, improved to 9-1. They beat the Raiders 35-31. Again, Patrick Mahomes doing his thing, 350 yards passing pretty much, two touchdowns and interception. Uh, Derek Carr you know, looked pretty good, three touchdowns and an interception. Uh, the, the real top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Well, here's the thing with David Carr, and so that's what I was going to say. So David Carr, I read a report that they said that Derek. twice. Derek. Derek. Twice at the end of this game, he led the team down, scored a touchdown to give him a lead, and twice his defense gave up a touchdown. Although I don't like to say his defense gave up a touchdown because they were yeah. playing as Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Um, Patrick Mahomes was just lethal. Um, you know, it's his first uh, two-minute comeback drive ever, um, which is surprising, but not also because the Chiefs are usually winning. But, yeah, I mean, he was just lethal. Uh, you know, they're just good, plain and simple. That team's just good at football. Um, they're really hard to stop. Um, the Raiders kind of have a system, though. It looks like the Raiders have given them their two hardest games for sure. Um, the Raiders could have easily won this game, and then they'd have been their Chiefs' two losses. You know, they're the Chiefs' only loss so far this season. So I think the Raiders should feel good about themselves. Derek Carr is not afraid of Patrick Mahomes, and he shouldn't be. Uh, so... I mean, the Raiders, I think, should take, us, uh, take away this, you know, as a win, though, even though I know it's not, but as a moral victory, I think. If you were watching, again, if you're listening on the radio, you're missing it because I did have uh, a nice Patrick Mahomes sidearm throw and then an underhand, like, scoop throw where he threw it to somebody. I mean, the, the arm angles and the, that he uses are just insane, the way he throws the ball. It's, it's just he's, a, he's literally built out of a video game. It's so much fun to watch him play football, man. Um, so that's the last game that I have. Obviously, the game tonight is the Bucks and the Rams. They mentioned it earlier. Uh, William James mentioned it, it uh, four and a half points. You said you, know, you you go ahead with that. And I think so. I don't see any reason that the, the Bucks shouldn't win this game. Is it in LA or is it in Tampa? No, it's in Tampa. Oh yes, it's, I think they should win pretty easily in this one. Yeah, the only issue somebody brought it up. You know, Tom Brady and night games don't go well usually. Uh, it's because he's got this strict nine p.m. bedtime. Like strict nine p.m. He's in bed. So then on night game times, he's playing in the middle of bedtime. So it's like, I I think that fucks him up. Well, I, I'll tell you, because I'm an old man, and uh, I do have a strict uh, bedtime as well normally. But, like, when I would play basketball, I haven't played men's league in a while since this whole COVID thing started. But when I would play basketball, we would have some games that would be at 9 o'clock at night. Uh, they play till 10 o'clock. I have to drive an hour home from where I play. So it's at 11 o'clock. I get home. And then, of course, your adrenaline's pumping, you know, so you can't you got to wind down a little bit. You know, and uh, so I understand what he's saying. But when you're playing, I don't think you feel it. Like, I never felt it. I wouldn't think so either. I'm just more using it as an excuse. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I've taken it from you every week. Do you want to throw it to Kenny this week? Yeah, yeah. I want to say, I, I, I think I lost it. Though. Hey, yo, Kenny, where's that shit at? <laughs> 